How's it going, everybody, and welcome to episode 130 of Master My Garden podcast. Now, this week's episode, I'm joined by Niall Macaulay from Nile Gardens, which is a very, very successful, quite new, but very successful YouTube channel, uh, which releases a new episode every Sunday, talking all things gardening. And Niall also features on Virgin Media's Ireland AM, which goes out, I think it's uh, Thursdays, I think he's on. And uh, yeah, he's just a, a very... Very, very, well, as I say, quite new YouTube channel, but very inspirational. And, you know, every Sunday with, with good content, lots of good ideas. I've seen some really good ones on hot composting, what to sow each month and so on. So it's a, a very interesting one and worth checking out. So, Niall, you're very, very welcome to Master My Garden podcast. Hi, John. Thanks very much. Yeah, great to have you on. As I say, you, you launched your YouTube channel well, I, I'm not sure exactly when, but not, kind of similar to when I launched the podcast. So um, about two years, would that be how long it's going, roughly? Yeah, very similar. So I started mine in April 2020. So I'm just yeah. coming through two years now, and I'm Brilliant. just about to publish my 100th episode. Excellent. And uh, obviously, I have a little bit of experience in that, you know, releasing episode 130, this one is. And there's a lot of work in, in, you know, putting it together and so on. But there must be even more work, I, I would say, in possibly putting out video content on a weekly basis. Yeah, I mean, it's a bit of a passion project, I think. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of work to plan it out for starters and then to get it okay. filmed and then to get it edited. So I, I lose probably more time than I should each week to making the episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're doing all the editing and everything yourself, yeah? Yeah, it's it's a it's a one man gig. It's literally just me and my camera. Yeah. For for any of you listeners, uh, just going off track here for a second. For any of your listeners that might hear something in the background, just before uh, I hit record here, I have a little stove in the recording space, and it seems like a little bird has fallen down. So. Uh, it's making a little bit of noise, but as soon as myself and Niall are, are finished chatting, I'm going to uh, rescue it and get it outside again. Um, but it seems to have fallen down the chimney or something. So if you do hear a little bit of scratching or chirping in the background, that's what it is. And uh, it's nothing to worry about. So Niall, uh, as I say, you're very welcome to the podcast. We've, um, you know, in terms of when we released or started our, our podcast and YouTube channel around the same time. Um, but the topics you cover on a weekly basis and maybe tell us a little bit about your own garden because I know it's 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 predominantly based on your own garden. I know you have some very, very good guests uh, on as well. So maybe just tell us a bit about your own garden and then, you know, the type of content that you're producing. And then we're going to delve quite deeply into your most recent episode, which was released last Sunday. And it's uh, things that we're still learning as gardeners. So it's five, five things that we're still learning as gardeners, which is, you know, a, an interesting topic because... There's you know, gardeners of all, all levels listening to the podcast and I'm sure watching your YouTube videos, but things that you're picking up along the way, um, it's good to talk about those and I suppose spread the message to more people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so my channel is basically me in my garden. So myself and my partner bought our house with the garden about two and a half years ago. So it's actually very new to us. But we fell for it, mainly for the garden, certainly I okay. did. Um, we like to say that the garden had really nice bones when we got it. It had been yeah. created out of a field over a couple of decades by the previous owners. And what I've been doing is I've been taking the last two and a half years to really try and 
put my stamp on it using okay. kind of the, the underlying framework that's there. And it was in April 2020. I'd have already been quite big into photography. And I thought, you know, I could make a channel about this. Yeah. So I started, albeit quite naively, I thought I was the first person to have had the idea um, to do a YouTube <laughs> gardening channel. I thought, nobody's going to have heard of this. This is going to be incredible. And of course, <laughs> you put out the first episode and you realize that actually you're one of thousands. <laughs> so the the channel, I kind of like to think of it that my niche about my channel is that there isn't a niche because okay. I think it's okay to love every little bit of gardening. So like I love flowers and I love trees and shrubs, but at the same time, I like having a vegetable garden and a polytunnel and growing some fruit and veg. Or yeah, yeah. I like trying out new things. So what I've tried to create with the channel is almost like the equivalent of a magazine style show, like Gardener's World, only each week is a separate segment. So it means that I can do a week on three great ways to grow your lily bulbs. And then the next week it might be a garden tour from here, or yeah. it might be great seeds to sow this month. But all of it is, I suppose, presented from my garden. Um, my garden's about an acre, um, and we're in County Meath. Oh, you're in County Meath? Brilliant. I yeah. know County Meath quite well. Um, good good gardening land up there, actually, generally. It's fantastic. And the, yeah. the, the soil in this place particularly, I've been amazed. Like, we've lived, we've lived actually all over the island, um, and I've had good gardens and not so good gardens uh, but this yeah it's just fantastic yeah just good um, interesting to hear your you know how much thought you put into the content um and i'm a little bit envious of that in a way um <laughs> so <laughs> uh, i i put not as much thought into the content but i suppose and uh there's a few a few things that, that spring to mind. Number one, like every episode I do has to have something that the listener can take away and use in their own garden, whether that's vegetable, fruit or uh, flowers or whatever. For sure. Um, I suppose, and, and I know we spoke a little bit about this off air, one of the, the biggest challenges for me personally is that I definitely don't have all the time that I would like to have to, to garden between full-time job and so on. A little bit similar to yourself, your uh, full-time pilot as it happens so yeah. i'd imagine time for you is is quite tricky as well so how do you manage all of that you know managing an acre garden um with probably limited enough time i would think yeah at times with difficulty <laughs> yeah <laughs> and certainly i'm i'm sitting here looking out at the front garden and looking at two really large uh flower beds that need some serious weeding <laughs> and i mean serious <laughs> weeding um yeah so it can be a challenge um, like you said, I fly commercially. That's that's the day job, and gardening would be my passion. I originally studied horticulture before I trained to be a pilot, so I've got that I've got that grounding yeah. from when I was a lot younger. Um, but in terms of in terms of time, it kind of comes and goes. So the last couple of years, obviously with aviation, it's been quite quiet yes. with everything that's been going on. So. Yeah. Really, the garden has been a bit of a refuge for me, um, and I've been able to spend a lot of time there. What I'm finding now, particularly now that it's the summer, which is when I'm very busy, 
it's it's mm-hmm. really about stealing moments and even just getting a small win. You know, if I can even just get one little bit done, um, yeah. it, it makes all the difference. But it, 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 it can be a challenge. And would you would you get frustrated when you look at all that needs to be done and and look at the sort of available time? Do you find it frustrating at all? Oh, yeah, totally. So yeah. I wish I could say that I was one of these people that can subscribe to that thing of if you just get one thing done, that's something achieved. And it, it yeah. really is. But unfortunately, I, I'm a bit of a list maker. So I, I tend to always <laughs> look around and think that hedge needs clipped, that needs pruned. Look at those weeds. I haven't edged the yeah. grass. <laughs> so yeah. sometimes it is frustrating. Yeah, it's funny. A little bit, little bit the same in that I look around and I, again, I have an endless, I don't write down my list. I have them in my head, which is not a good place for them a lot of the time. But um, I see all these things that need to be done. And then that, I think the word is frustrates me a bit at times. But having said that, if you get outside even for an hour, and again, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, like you said, I wouldn't be one of those people that if you get this done, that's a win. No, I'm a little bit once you're doing something and making some little bit of progress, it's surprising. It kind of does uh, ease off the, the frustration a little bit. Yeah. And sometimes, like I know I have a flower bed as well with, brilliant perennials in it but also a load of weeds in it and it had been annoying me so much about a month ago did a small bit of weeding in it nowhere near enough because i didn't have the time to get to it but at the moment it's starting to flower but when i was looking at it the other day it was full of bees and butterflies and actually that in itself that little seeing all the bees and butterflies that was that was enough it's still full of weeds but it doesn't annoy me now yes (laughs) um it's a strange thing because it's still you know in terms of gardening and gardening perfection and whatever else it's full of weeds and not by any means something that you'd be uh, telling people about but just that moment where you looked and you saw all the bees and so on and that was enough to ease the frustration let's say oh absolutely because we have a patch behind our polytunnel and last year i filmed an episode from the polytunnel filmed the whole thing brought it back inside started to edit it and realized that what I kind of hadn't really acknowledged was that we had honestly five foot high nettles behind it and Mm -hmm. a patch probably about five square meters of five foot high nettles. And I thought, oh no, this is is terrible. And I thought, I'm just going to own this because the same as yourself, nettles are great for wildlife. And as much as, as much as, we might not want them where they were wasn't causing any problems and i'd rather have the wildlife on those and leaving my vegetables a few meters away alone <laughs> yeah 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 for sure um in terms of your garden so what 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 have you got going on there it's an acre garden tell yeah. us about the the elements of it and then we'll get into you know the i suppose what what's going to be the the learning point for people the five the five things that we're still learning as gardeners so it's a garden that's got a bit of everything. So front garden, big lawn, big trees, big big mature shrubs, and really it's actually pretty low maintenance, which is which is great. When you come around to the back garden, we've got a pond, we've got what I what I call the orchard. That's maybe a bit grandiose. It's like seven very old, large apple trees that yeah. fill most of a chunk of the back garden. And then I've created a raised bed vegetable garden. 
Um, it's quite big. It's about seven meters by twenty meters. It's got fourteen. Yeah, big size. Yeah, it's got fourteen big raised beds um, that I created from scratch, and it's done quite formally, um, which is really nice. And then we have a polytunnel. And then we just have different areas. We've got a secret garden, but definitely it's almost like garden rooms that we've got. Yeah. And all of those garden rooms have been created since since you guys moved in there or have, have these elements been there and you're just adding to them? So some of them were already here um, and then some of them I've altered already quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Some I've left the same and then some are completely new. So the veg garden was created from scratch it was just a a flat piece of grass brilliant and you're two you're am i right in saying two years growing veg or is this your first year with veg so two years growing veg in this garden um yeah i have more experience on the ornamental side of horticulture than productive but i've always grown bits and pieces of veg (laughs) even before we owned here we, we rented a house a number of years ago where um, they had left us a load of firewood and I ended up turning the firewood into raised beds instead and built a little raised bed vegetable garden. <laughs> so when we yeah. moved out, hopefully they were happy enough to find that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, yeah. But yes, so I was growing little bits of veg then. So I have a bit of Brilliant. experience with it. And just before we start talking about the, you know, the ornamental side of it, how has you know this year gone for you in your in your new raised beds? Uh, any successes? Anything that has been brilliant? Anything that has been a failure? Um, what's the standouts there? Um, it's been a bit of a mixed bag. Probably the same as yourself. I find this season quite slow to get going. Mm-hmm. Um, things that I put in during the winter have been very successful. Um, garlic, onions broad beans, lots of simple things like that. My big luxury in the veg garden was I dedicated two of the raised beds and each of them are eight foot by four foot. So they're large enough um, to asparagus. Oh, yeah. I was just talking about that last week on the podcast. Oh, I know. I was listening to it because I think there's something great about having your own asparagus. So I planted it last year. This is year two. And I've been really good and not cut any of them <laughs> to eat. And was there many spears? Yeah, each one has each one's been producing about three or four this year, which I think isn't oh. too bad for very new plants. That has to be very tempting. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I I've managed to steal myself. I haven't touched any of them. And then hopefully next year I can start to have a bit of a harvest. So it's a mix yeah. of asparagus crowns that I bought and also asparagus plants that I grew from seed. Brilliant, yeah. And you, how long has it that, how long has that taken to get them to seed? And is there a noticeable difference between the crowns and the seed? Yeah, there is. So seed was sown last year, last spring. Uh, yeah. I got nice healthy plants last year. This year they're definitely stronger. Um, but I would imagine, I mean, really, they're going to be knocked back in comparison to buying a crown. Knocked back, maybe, I would say, at least one year, but probably two. But it's more of an yeah. investment piece, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, asparagus is a funny one, all right. It's uh, it's my one of my favourite vegetables to eat. I just, I think it's beautiful. But um, probably two things. Uh, patience, maybe I don't have enough of it for it at this point in my life. Mm-hmm. Um and secondly, yeah, the space, the space, you, you really do need to have space that you can just 
this is the asparagus bed and nothing else because you you know you can't grow anything else with it and that so exactly yeah, maybe it's one it's one for the future but it's good to hear that uh that you're you're doing that and you've had the patience not to clip them off because that must be very <laughs> tempting yeah yeah um, um in terms of the so you you said the sort of flowers and ornamentals are are your main thing what's what's the you know the standout flowers perennials flowering trees shrubs whatever it is that you're you're growing oh so it changes from year to year my obsession at the moment is for things with things like um verbena binariensis um oh, yeah. i filled the back garden with foxgloves um people that are already subscribed to my channel will probably be sick of me talking about foxgloves at this stage <laughs> i think i think they're a brilliant thing for people to grow obviously it comes with quite literally the health warning that they're poisonous so mm -hmm. beware of your animals and kids but in terms of growing something that really sits nicely in an irish garden i think foxgloves are fantastic they're so easy to grow they're cheap and they look incredible at the moment the back garden is just filled with purple white and pink of foxgloves and they're fantastic for pollinators yeah, brilliant. Yeah, it's actually it's interesting to see the, the 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 bees going into them. They completely disappear inside three or four seconds, then they pop out and up to mm -hmm. the next one. It's very methodical the way they go up along it. Yeah, yeah. And then I'm I'm at the moment I'm on a real hit for anything with a big pop of colour. Normally I would actually have gone for things like whites, <laughs> whereas the last couple of years it's all about if it's purple or orange or red. I'm going for it. So I'm growing loads of zinnias this year. Quite a lot of um, quite a lot of annuals, actually, okay. um, and quite a lot of dahlias. It's not something I I grew very much of before, but I treated myself to probably way more dahlia tubers than I should have. Um, and they're planted around the garden, but they're also planted through the veg garden as well. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, and. Is this, this is your first year with dahlias, or you've had dahlias before? I've had dahlias before, but this is the first year that I've I've grown quite quite as many. Right, and do you lift them just as a matter of interest? Yeah, I do. Truthfully, yeah, um, and I, I I certainly will be doing in this garden. Um, where I'm from originally is by the coast, so it's a lot more tempered by the sea. We're a little bit inland, and we do sit in a little bit of a frost pocket. And right. I, like I've noticed we do tend to sit that little bit cooler on cold mornings. So I think I'm still just going to lift them. Yeah, because I, I, I spoke on the podcast. I grew them last year from seed, um, planted quite a lot and was taking the chance of seeing could it could they overwinter. Mm -hmm. And it has been ugh, not not very successful, let's say. So probably probably 70% of them no 60% of them probably haven't come through the winter yeah the ones that have look great and uh, they're flying doing really well they're not in flower here yet we're quite late here um but no it hasn't been overly successful but then I grew them for seed so it's really easy but um I don't think it's going to be possible to overwinter dailies in the ground here either no uh, I think I think it can be tricky because in some ways we actually have quite tricky winters because we have yeah. that wrong combination of cold and wet, yeah, and and that together can be can be quite tricky for things like that. Yeah, it's funny. I'm going to try it again because there's something. The the wet is is obviously an issue, but where these are, they're 
the ground would be heavy but not wet at all. Mm-hmm. So it, w- it w- would be relatively good to drain, but it would be, you know, it'd be still a clay, still a heavy clay soil. But I was wondering afterwards, so I cut them off, obviously, at the, you know, when they're, when they're finished flowering and the, the first frost has hit them, I cut them off. Yeah. And you're leaving a, a stem with a, you know, open tubular cut on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering, and I could be totally wrong here, it's just something I was wondering, if, if water is actually going down the tube over the next couple of months and that would automatically bring it right onto the top of the crown yep. uh, onto, the, onto the tuber and would possibly cause rot so I'm wondering now if I cut it off and somehow uh, I don't know bend the stem down or something that the water doesn't actually get straight down in on top of it would I have more success so I'm going to try it again this year <laughs> I think that I think that's worth a try because I think yeah. there's something in that really like you say because it's that tubular stem I think being able just to stop direct water running down that can make all the difference. Could could do. I, maybe maybe I'm just delusional here, but I'm going to try it anyway because I, I have a <laughs> feeling that that could be some of it. Um, I'm just not into lifting them at that time of the year, and uh, yeah, all of that. But uh, look, I, I'll have a go at it again this year. So I've load a load more salt from seed this year, and uh, hoping that that might work. Mm-hmm. Um, to talk about your most recent video, so. As we said, a new video every Sunday. Did you say a hundred, uh, approximately a hundred videos out now? Yeah, I'm very shortly coming up on my hundredth episode. Brilliant. Um, will you have some bit of a celebration for that? I think I'm going to have to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I think. I'm yeah, well, it's, it's, it's. I don't know. I think it's definitely worth uh, noting because yeah, there is a lot of work goes into a hundred episodes. So fair play to you, and absolutely, it's good to market. I think. Um, so the most recent one, five, five things that we're still learning as gardeners. Yeah. And let's delve into that a little bit more and talk about what those five things are. And maybe if you know, there might be something else that springs to mind as we chat through those. Yeah, definitely. So I suppose the genesis of the idea is actually driven by social media because it seems now that to be successful on social media, you need to either be an influencer in terms of how you live your life or you need to be an expert at something. Yeah. And the the danger is that people watch YouTube channels and always assume that the person knows what they're talking about. And mm-hmm. naturally, when I make a video, I don't always want to make a video every week going, oh, I think I messed this up <laughs> because people will think yeah. I'm just trying to create drama. But at the same time, the flip of that is that you can make videos that end up just making it look like you're always on top of things. And yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. whether you're very experienced, whether you have decades of experience or whether you have some, a bit like me, a decent bit of experience, but still, you know, it's not my profession. You're, mm-hmm. always, you're always learning something new. But on top of that, there are always things that no matter how many times people tell you, it's still a battle in your head. <laughs> and and that was what the video was about. So it was a video collaboration um, with a brilliant grower over in Wales who's a good friend called Liz Zorab. She does yeah. homesteading videos and mainly videos mainly about productive growing. Um, it's quite big into no dig and soil health and all that. It's a yeah. big part of what she does, isn't it? Very much so. And I've, I've learned a lot from her and she's, she's really inspired me in what I do here. And 
we spent a couple of hours working in her garden and just chatting about the things that no matter how much experience we have, we're still trying to learn in our heads. So what 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 things are we are we talking about? So the episode was was five things. So what were those five? And then we'll see if there's any more that we can work on. Oh, oh yeah. It's funny because I'm sitting here and I'm already thinking of more. So the, <laughs> the first one, the first one for me would be a phrase that I'm trying to remember all the time, which is done is better than perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a phrase that I've always heard used from a video production point of view, but it totally applies to gardening in that, you know, gardens gardens are always moving, no matter what you're doing. Nature is moving forward. So if you, if you strive too hard for perfection, you're just never going to get anything done, or you're not going to feel like you get anything done. Yeah, and you fall behind as well, for sure. And I I I am a perfectionist, um, which is a problem because there are times where I want something to be absolutely just so, and I'm not able to get it like that. And then that leaves me feeling frustrated or despondent. So that's the first one is I think we all need to accept that sometimes getting a job done is better than getting it done and trying to make it perfect at the same time. Yeah, it's a good one. And uh, I suppose you can you can get something done and then improve on it when it's done, because if it's not done, if it's not done, then and as you say, nature and the growing season and all of that keeps moving and your job is still not done. So the more it, it remains undone, the further behind you fall. Um, mm-hmm. you, know, you, you often see that even with, you know, sowing seeds, particularly because it's the one job. If you don't sow your seeds, you don't have the plant and, and people are waiting for, um, you know, to have the, the perfect setup or the perfect shelf or the perfect you know, bench in the, in the tunnel, whatever it is. But sometimes you're just better off to sew them, throw them on the floor until you you have your bench ready and keep keep getting the jobs done and improving oh, yeah. as you go along. Yeah, totally. And when you think about it, like how seeds grow in nature, they don't they don't land onto perfectly sieved, sterilized compost. <laughs> in you know, in in individual modules, yeah. they land where they land, and some will some will germinate. Um, so exactly. There would be a real loss if you don't get things sown purely yeah. because you're trying to get your setup correct. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, so that's one. Uh, mm. What was the the next one? So next one leads on from this, uh, which is you only have to please yourself as a gardener, or well, you maybe you maybe also need to please the people that you live with. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think it's kind of ingrained in us you know, a little bit of what does my garden look like to the outside world? What do the neighbours think when they look across or when they drive past? And that can, depending on how your personality is and what your garden is like, that can put you under a lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I feel the pressure as well from the point of view that I now show the majority of my garden on the internet. Yes, so I'm also very aware that I need to, you know, I need, to, I feel like I need to keep it up to a standard. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really interesting one. Again, we kind of, I kind of talked about that a little bit last week as well. And I ran a couple of grow your own vegetable courses in the spring. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the major points was that like, it is very frustrating when you look 
it's it's per- particularly online. If you look online and you see um, somebody who has you know kitchen garden and they have Instagram page or YouTube channel or whatever it is, and they're you know they're everything always looks exactly as it should and is growing yeah. exactly as it should, and it can be frustrating if you're taking your inspiration. You can take inspiration from there, but if you're if you're looking at that in a comparison way to your own garden, it can get frustrating at times. But it's the thing about it is nobody else is going to eat the vegetables, only you. So I always think that it's, uh, yeah, just don't worry about anybody else and just uh, do your own thing in the garden for sure. Definitely. And you also have to, when you look at social media, uh, images or videos about gardening, you also have to ask yourself, behind the scenes, what else is that person doing? Mm-hmm. So if they're able to be full-time and dedicated to that, yeah, that's great. But if you're working a full-time job, or like I do, working shift patterns where I'm either up incredibly early or home late at night, that may actually not be practical. Yeah. And actually, if you're getting enough done to keep yourself happy, that's all you need to do. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I don't know if you're hearing that noise now, but the bird is going mental here now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think I just picked up on it there. The first yeah. Time. yeah, no, that's that's brilliant advice. Um, so that's two. Uh, what was yeah. the next one? You don't have to get everything done. Another good one. Um, again, advice that I need to take on myself <laughs> <laughs> and, actually, and actually learn it. Um, because it is that thing of if you look out, the more it, it's great to walk around your garden and look and observe and see the things that need to be done. Yeah, it, it's really important. But it's also really important to balance that if you look at everything that needs to get done, that list is going to be ever growing. And actually, you need to balance it with higher my energy levels. Because you don't want to end up turning the garden into something that is a millstone around your neck yeah. or means that you can't actually just go out and sit with whether it's a cup of tea or a gin and tonic or a glass of wine in the evening, that you can't go out and sit and enjoy it because as soon as you sit down, you think, I need to do this. Burned. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a good one. And it's a funny one because we're sort of coming into holiday period at the moment. When you're at home, you look at all the jobs on a daily basis, you're constantly doing something, keeping on top of mowing the lawn, you know, getting all your seeds sown, clipping hedges, lawn edging, whatever it is that you're doing, all the chores and jobs. But if you happen to go away for a week's holidays or two weeks holidays, right, when you come back, the grass might need to be mown, obviously, but generally the garden looks just fine when you come back too. Um, uh-huh. Whereas when you're there sitting, looking at it on a daily basis, you're actually actively, I think, looking for yourself, looking for jobs for yourself. Whereas sometimes you just leave it alone and let it do its thing. It can be just fine. Just perfect. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's also like, it's, it's also accepting that it's not an, like an A to B journey of if I do this work, it'll be done. And then it's done forever. Yeah. It's like I was saying earlier about how like your garden's always growing, moving, nature's moving. So you're only ever, essentially, you're only ever giving it a nudge. Um, yeah, yeah. 
and I think following on from that, but the thing that I always keep in my head is there's a there's a professor and she's she's quite famous on the internet, a psychologist called Brené Brown, and and she has a phrase which is the middle is messy, but it's where the magic happens. All right, and that is what I keep in my head when I'm halfway through cutting a massive hedge or something like that, yeah. and I'm looking thinking this looks worse than when I started. <laughs> Yeah, that's the interesting bit. That's the that's the good bit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's where the work is happening. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So, so that's uh, number three, is it? I think or number four, number three. Yeah, number yeah. three. Um, number four was um, another one of Liz's suggestions, actually, in the video, which was nature is always going to win. Yeah. So you kind of need to accept that. Um. No matter what you do, your nature is a more powerful force, mm-hmm. and it's better to work with it than to try and push against it too hard. Yeah, and yeah, slot in beside it. That's yeah. That's absolutely. something that something for me that has become very very obvious over the last two years, and talking to you know good gardeners all around, well, all around Ireland particularly, but also outside of Ireland, the ones that are really nailing it, um, some of them have teams. So I, I, won't, I won't just say that they're doing it on their own, but some of them have teams uh, you know, that are involved in the whole creation of, the, of these gardens. Mm-hmm. But some of them don't. And some of them, but the one common thread with them all is that they are working, they're not working too hard against nature. They're literally slotting alongside of it and they're letting nature do its thing in certain spaces and then trying to move in and slot in beside it in additional spaces. And I think that's yeah. that's very obvious from the last two years of conversations that I've had with, you know, a lot of these top class gardeners, much better gardeners than I claim to be or would ever be. But that's definitely there that they work in harmony uh, rather than against. Big time. And um- I, I feel like that shift in that direction is accelerating. When I compare yeah. the the way that I would have been taught horticulture, I mean, it was back now, 19 years ago, the shift mm-hmm. from then to now, which would have previously been, to, to quite a large extent, control over nature yeah. and maintaining control um, to less control or control in conjunction with nature. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're going to move more and more that direction because aside from anything, it just works. Yeah, it works. And as you said at the start, nature will always win. So like if you are trying to maintain control, it is a constant, never ending, I suppose, job, uh, cycle whatever you want to call it it's it you're, you're going to have to be there constantly because nature will be constantly trying to i suppose claim back and push back against you so yeah um it's a bit tiring as well you know you're it, it's not like going to do you know paint a wall when you paint the wall it's painted for a few years but if you're i don't know weeding beds or whatever you're going to be constantly constantly needing to do that because nature is constantly trying to push back in there. So, it's, uh, yeah, it's a, 
it's a very good point and they are without doubt it, the, the move is towards working in conjunction over the last few years and, and as you said it's gaining pace as well yeah and actually I think that ties back into one of the previous ones where I said about only having to please yourselves and not worrying about what neighbours are thinking or outside people because I think 20 years ago if you decided to leave your entire front garden to go to Nomo or just let it go to wildflower, you probably would have got quite a few raised eyebrows. And I think yeah. there would have been a little bit of judgment around how you keep your garden and how you keep your home. Yeah, you're lazy. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I think now there more and more people are becoming aware of it. So if they see weedy areas or areas that you've let go wild intentionally, I think there's a greater understanding of why people are doing that, which yeah. takes a bit of the a bit of the pressure off. Yeah, for sure, definitely. Um, and point number five, then number five, number five, and it seems really obvious. You need to have fun gardening, and this one came up because when we were filming the episode, it was very much just an off the cuff conversation and we had talked about the previous four that you and I have talked about and what I realized is all of those four are pretty much external influences you know yeah. I need to make this perfect uh, it needs to look good to the neighbors or the internet um, I need to get everything done I need to be on top of things and I need to be in control of nature I need to be more powerful than that all of that stuff is external and actually for the majority of us, unless it's our job, what is gardening? It, it should be fun. It should be a passion. It should be happy work or it should be relaxing. And actually, mm -hmm. it's not hitting. If it's not doing that for you, it's not good for you. And I think yeah. we need to really look and allow ourselves to have fun in the garden. Uh, yeah have fun and i think have fun in the process of gardening and enjoy enjoy the you know the clipping of the hedges or the planting or the sowing of seeds or the you know whatever the 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 chore element of it is enjoy that part of it um but i think you're right in that fun and like the whole purpose of a garden is to have an area for the kids to play football to get some food for your for your kitchen to have cut flowers to bring to the kitchen table to have flowers that look well in the garden mm -hmm. and all of that is you know to pr provide for for pollinators and bees and butterflies and all of that and all of that then is it, it, it's moments of happiness or joy that you're getting from your garden yes and yeah. definitely i think i think most people maybe don't take in those moments of joy whether it is eating, you know, the fresh strawberry or the fresh tomato or the bringing in a bunch of flowers or sitting in the garden, as you said earlier, with your gin and tonic or whatever, um, probably don't, you know, don't maybe take in those those moments of joy on the day to day stuff that we should. Totally. And that's that's the thing. Like I came home from work quite late last night, but because it's June, the evenings are so long that I was like, I'm going to get out with a cup of tea. And I literally just got out into the garden with a cup of tea and stood and just kind of had a look around. And 
it's those kind of things because essentially having a garden is you're creating another space that you want to be in and yeah. there's no point in just working on it if you're not going to enjoy it and also like I'm a big believer in if you create spaces that you want to be in then you're going to be in them more and when you're in them more you're going to do more in them and then it's easier to stay on top of them you know you'll walk out yeah you, you know and you literally see maybe one weed that you just need to literally just lift up and you, you pick it up and it's that kind of constant maintenance um yeah. <laughs> and it's just nice to be out in it yeah that all all makes total sense um really really good points not not what i thought they were going to be actually it's it's um it's yeah when when you said five things that we are still learning as gardeners and and it's yeah absolutely not sort of the the way i thought they would be but they're brilliant points i really do i think they're brilliant points because there are a lot of the things that we just forget um to do or as you said mm-hmm. we can be a bit too perfectionist and the it adds frustration and, and at the end of the day i know i've said it a couple of times now but at the end of the day gardens veg fruit flowers ornamentals trees whatever they are they're all there to be enjoyed by you and nobody else uh or you and your family let i won't say yeah. nobody else but obviously your your family the people living there so yeah i think they're all brilliant points um haven't watched that one looking forward to looking looking forward to seeing it uh there's been some really good sort of Really good tips there for people. Uh, so yeah, enjoyed that. Now, any other any other kind of good takeaways for gardeners or anything that you're loving at the moment that you know, is is a bit new or different and and somebody could could try for themselves. I know you, as I said earlier, you have a great video on ho- on how to make a DIY hot composter. Uh, that was a, a brilliant one. Yes, <laughs> yeah, um, that was that was a lockdown project because I had basically coveted like a hot like a hot composter for a long time yeah. i was about to use the brand name yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they're actually they're really they're really quite expensive to buy and essentially what it is is an insulated box yeah. and i thought i think i can have a go with that so i ordered all of the bits from an online retailer and had them delivered and try and try to make my own and didn't expect that it would work and it worked perfectly. Brilliant. So yeah, I made, I made a video on how to use it. And then also I, I made a follow up video because a lot of people had asked, you know, on how to actually build one yourself. And what kind of temperatures are you getting inside in it? Depends what you put in. I mean, realistically, summertime, you've got a decent amount of grass cuttings and you can mix them in amongst. The hottest I've had was 75 degrees. That's good, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was pretty staggering. You lift the lid and you get hit with this this wall of heat yeah and that's in the polytunnel then is it no i've actually moved it out of the polytunnel it was in the polytunnel uh it's now sitting next to the polytunnel um i find that during the winter having it in the polytunnel just gave it that extra bit of shelter and made it easier to to keep it hot yeah 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 brilliant um as i say your YouTube channel, maybe tell people about the name, where they can find you online and all those things. It's as I, we started around the same time, but the, the channel is really good. New episode every Sunday. So tell people about it and where they can find you, where else they can find you online. Sure thing. So the channel uh, is very originally titled Nile Gardens. So <laughs> if you go onto YouTube and have a look for Nile Gardens, 
you'll find me there. Uh, subscribe. And like John says, I put out a, an episode pretty much every single Sunday morning at 9am. And it covers everything from how-tos to a bit of inspiration to blogs about what I'm doing in the garden. And then you can also find me on all of the other social media platforms. So if you look up Nile Gardens on Instagram or Facebook, you'll find me there also. And quite regularly on Ireland AM, as I said. Yeah, for the last year, I've been doing a regular uh, segment on Ireland AM as well. Brilliant. And uh, It's been really interesting chat. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it. Continued success to you with uh, Nile Gardens. It's, uh, as I say, a brilliant channel out every episode or a new episode out every week so yeah really interesting and continued success with that uh, i know as you said it's it's uh, running con- side by side with your with your day job which is a busy day job so uh, continued success and i know that the challenge that there is in producing something like that on a weekly basis so yeah well done and continued success and thank you very very much for coming on master my garden podcast not at all thanks very much for having me so that's been this week's episode. Huge thanks to Niall for coming on. Uh, really interesting chat. Uh, as I said, different to what I thought it was going to be. I was thinking, you know, on the more practical level that there might be uh, five things that we're still learning as gardeners on a more practical side. But definitely that, bringing in the, I suppose, learning to enjoy what we have already and and lose the frustration and work with nature and all those things and, and make make the chore part of it, take out the chore part of it and make every function and job that, uh, a lot more enjoyable. And I think, yeah, there's great tips there and certainly worth checking out. Uh, in the meantime, I'm going to have to go and get this, save this bird from the, from the chimney. I hope he wasn't too distracting or he or she wasn't too distracting, um, scratching and chirping there in the background. And uh, yeah, that's been this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And until the next time, happy gardening. Mm-hmm.